Welcome to This Crip Life, a place where you can meet disabled people and learn about the things that affect them. This is an Asheville FM podcast produced by DIY Able. everyone. This is Priya from DIY Abled. Welcome to This Crip Life. Today in this episode, we're going to talk about the Netflix series special. Now I want to tell everyone, spoiler alert, I will be talking about a specific episode from season two. So if you haven't had a chance to see the show, go to Netflix and watch special. It's an amazing show. And then come back here and listen to this podcast. So I'm going to give you till five to stop this podcast so you can watch special. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, so here we go. Special is a sitcom that's on Netflix, and it stars a person that has cerebral palsy that is trying to navigate the world of adulthood with his disability. Ryan is a young gay man that I would say is around the age of 23 or 24 years old, and he's a writer, and he lands a job for an online magazine called Eggwoke. Now, the disabled community is absolutely ecstatic about this show, as they should be, because Ryan O'Connell is not only the star of the show, but he's the writer, and he has cerebral palsy. So we're all so excited, because here's a show with a disabled person as the main character that's being played by a disabled person. And in my humble opinion, there are a couple of movies and TV shows out there in the media But I think Special does such a fantastic job of introducing us to disability culture. It's what makes Special so unique. It describes a lot of other cultures as well, including Indian culture, which really excited me. Because being an Indian woman with a disability, I related to the show on so many different levels. In this episode of This Crip Life, we're going to talk about a specific episode from season two of Special, which is called Prom Queens. I thought this episode was brilliant. It not only addressed the things you deal with as a disabled person when you're out in the world, when people don't understand what disability is, but it also addressed the cultural things you deal with growing up as an Indian American, which a lot of people don't understand either. In this episode, we see Ryan, who is a young disabled gay man, and he wants to go to a Crip prom. A Crip prom is a disabled-focused prom that his new disabled friends organize. Ryan decides to go to the prom with his non-disabled boyfriend, Tanner, and at the same time, we see his best friend, Kim, who is a beautiful, fat Indian woman going to the Vali Puja at her parents' house. A puja is a religious ceremony that Indians celebrate a couple of times a year to honor the gods. The Vali Puja is a puja for Lakshmi, the goddess of wealth, and it is also the Indian New Year celebration. We immediately see the issues occurring between Ryan and Tanner because Tanner does not really understand disability culture. And even though he's gay, he has a hard time coming to terms with the issues that Ryan is concerned with as a disabled person. Early in the episode, we see Ryan and Tanner going to Ryan's mom's house so he could pick up his prom jacket. When Ryan's mom, Karen, interacts with Tanner, he says a couple of things that show us 
how clueless he is about disabled people. He first tells his mom, I didn't even know what cerebral palsy was. I just thought it made people slow, but Ryan is definitely not slow. And then he proceeds to tell her, you know, I don't even think of him as disabled at all. I just think he's normal. This is something disabled people have to deal with on a regular basis. They are always framed as not being normal. But that's just wrong. Disability is actually a normal part of life. Everybody can be disabled. You can be born with a disability or you can be disabled from an injury. And guess what? As you age, you're definitely going to experience disability. Just like race, gender, or sexual preference and identity, it's a part of being human. That being said, when you go up to a disabled person and say, hey, you don't seem disabled, you seem normal. That's basically viewing things from the perspective of not being disabled, which is essentially what ableism is. I became disabled because I had a spinal cord injury, so I use a wheelchair full time. And I don't know how many times people have said, you know what, you don't seem like you're disabled. You just go around in this wheelchair so confidently and you don't even seem to worry what's around you. And I always think, what is the difference between me and you? I mean, we're both human. We have blood flowing through our veins. We're made of flesh and blood. I am normal. I just use a wheelchair. While Ryan and Tanner are getting ready for the prom, we see Kim at her parents' house getting ready for Diwali Puja. She becomes reacquainted with her old childhood friend Ravi, and immediately we see Kim's mom asking Ravi how he likes his job. Ravi does express that it's really stressing him out because he's an immigration lawyer, and Kim's mother replies, well, that's okay. It's really good because it's a good job, and that's the only thing that matters. And then we see Kim's father jumping in with saying, you must be making a lot of money because you live in the Bay Area. This is a great description of Indian culture. Indian parents are always concerned about how much money their children and the people they're marrying are making because they want to make sure their children have good lives. Not that this is something a lot of parents from other cultures don't worry about, but specifically Indian parents make it very clear that in their eyes, if you are not a financial success, then you are a failure. After all, Diwali is the Indian New Year celebration, as well as a puja for Lakshmi, the goddess of wealth, which shows you how important financial success is in Indian culture. Then we see Ryan and his mom having a conversation about his new boyfriend, Tanner, and he asks her what she thinks, and she says, I don't know. I think he's a little simple. Ryan gets really upset about this, but then his mom backs up and says, well, I don't care. Don't listen to me. I'm just being protective. I think he's adorable, and if you're happy, then I'm happy which shows that Karen is worried about Ryan with this guy that she doesn't know, but she's going to be supportive and support the relationship. And I think this is really important because this is something disabled people deal with. Because mothers of disabled people are really protective, especially when they were born with the disability. With good reason, because they play the role as the advocate for their education, health, and more. And they want to be able to manage or micromanage everything in their life. And throughout this series and in this episode, we see Ryan's mom trying to give Ryan the independence he needs to be an independent person in the world. Kim is in the back patio of her parents' house with Ravi and her brother. And her brother says, you know, 
I think dad was really harsh with you today. He's usually not like that with you. What's going on? And Ravi agreed. And that's when Kim admits to them that she had gone into $46,000 in credit card debt from buying things that she may have not needed. When Kim tells her brother and Ravi about this, you can visibly see how upset and ashamed she is. Throughout this entire series, Kim is a really upbeat, positive, and happy person. She's actually Ryan's anchor when he's dealing with a lot of things that are difficult for him. So all of a sudden, you see Kim just not being Kim anymore. Because of the idea, if you are not a financial success, then you are a failure in the eyes of Indian parents. That creates this shame and pressure on Indian American children when they make mistakes like this. Later, we see Kim and her mother in the kitchen, which has been transformed into this beautiful environment with flowers, candles, and gold decorations everywhere. And Kim and her mother are dressed in these gorgeous saris and are wearing this jewelry that you think only exists in movies, but it's real. And the reason I know this is because growing up in my childhood and going to all the pujas and different Indian events, I would always see my mother and my aunts picking out the perfect sari from the thousands of saris they had and picking out the right piece of jewelry that goes with their outfit from the amount of jewelry that seemed endless to me. This is such a great representation of Indian culture, and it's really what makes this scene so fantastic and really what makes special such a great show. Nobody talks about it. You just see it, and it's the way we learn about Indian culture. It's also the way we learn about all the other cultures in this show. Throughout the entire series, they do this with disability culture, gay culture, fat brown women's culture, and even the culture in the workplace for all the people in it. Kim's mother comes up to her and says she wants to talk to her about something. And Kim immediately gets defensive and says, Mother, I am not going to Weight Watchers. It's the patriarchal tool of society, and I'm not doing it. And that just made me laugh because while I probably wouldn't have used those words because it was a different decade, it reminds me of my own life with my mother. Even as an adult, when I would go back and visit, it was always like, you need to lose weight. You are too heavy. You've gained weight. So it's this thing that women do in Indian culture. And you know, fat shaming happens in all cultures, but Indian mothers, they have fat shaming down to an art where it literally traumatizes their children about their weight for the rest of their lives. We do find out that Kim's mother really just wants to tell her that her father and her are gonna help Kim pay off her debt and gives her a hug and tells her she loves her. But then in the very same breath as every passive aggressive Indian mother does, she says, oh, is that the outfit you're gonna wear? I don't know if I would wear that. I probably would have picked something different, but if that's what you wanna wear, Okay. And again, this made me laugh out loud because I cannot tell you how many times I've had the same exact conversation with my mother growing up. Let's just say Indian mothers also have the passive aggressive shaming down to an art too. 
Back at the prom, we see Ryan and Tanner and all of Ryan's new disabled friends having a really fantastic time dancing and drinking and talking to each other. And then Tanner sees Ryan's friend Natalie, who uses a wheelchair and is dancing really well, and tells her, oh my gosh, you know, I teach dance. And there's a woman with a wheelchair there, and she is just so inspiring. Do you know her? As a wheelchair user, I cannot tell you how many times this has happened to me. People will come up to me and say, hey, I know this person who uses a wheelchair that lives across town. Do you know them? And of course I don't. And then another thing that happens is people will come up and say, hey, I have a friend in a wheelchair. You should be friends with them. And I say, why? Because we're in wheelchairs? Do we have anything else in common? Do we believe in the same things? Do we like the same music? Do we have something in common we can talk about besides having wheelchairs? This is a myth that it exists in our society that because people are disabled or because they're in wheelchairs, they should be friends with each other. And that's just like saying, hey, because you're black or because you're a woman or because you're gay, you should all be friends. And that doesn't necessarily happen all the time. It can happen, but friendships are not guaranteed because you have that one thing in common. Back at the Vali with Kim and her family, Kim talks to her dad and thanks him for paying off her debt. And he's still very upset about it and says to her, I'm going to have to take out a second mortgage to do this. And this is when Kim realizes that what she's done is really affecting her family. And she responds to him by saying, look, dad, America is a capitalist society. And in order for me to be successful, I have to dress for it. Otherwise, I'm going to stick out and you don't know what it's like to stick out because all you do is hang out with Indian people. The father responds to her, I did stick out when I first moved to this country, and I still do. So I understand what you go through, but you have to remain true to yourself. I understand what the father is saying because when immigrants come to America, they succeed by working hard, not by fitting in. I also understand Kim's predicament. Growing up as an Indian American kid, this is something I went through all the time, always trying to fit into American culture, but having Indian parents who didn't really understand it and sometimes didn't want to understand it. So it leaves you in the situation where you have to navigate both of these cultures and it forces the kids to mediate between both of them. At the Crip prom, Tanner tells Ryan, I don't think Natalie likes me. And Ryan explains to him, well, you did say you knew another person in a wheelchair and that they were so inspirational. Then you asked her if she knew the other person in the wheelchair and that's just wrong. Tanner didn't understand why that was wrong. And Ryan explained to him, if someone came up to us and asked us if we knew every gay person that ever lived on the planet, isn't that wrong? And Tanner still didn't understand and responded with, I was just trying to be nice. As if being nice is more important than making an ignorant assumption about a person. Eventually, Tanner does suggest to Ryan that he just hang out with his disabled friends and they'll just hang out separately from them. Not even trying to understand that just like LGBTQ people, that disabled people are people too. It's just another example of how, because we have not had a chance to learn and accept disability culture, we just ignore disabled people and do not make the effort to include them in our communities. 
Well, that wraps up my little review of this episode of Special. If you haven't seen this show, you should. You don't have to be disabled to enjoy it. That's what makes Special such a great show. In my lifetime, there have been a lot of shows that change the culture of America. Not only does Special acquaint us with disability culture, but it shows us Indian culture, gay culture, and the culture in the workplace as well. And because it shares two different cultures that I am part of, and that I don't feel has ever been truly represented in media, I'm so excited that special was made and it will definitely be a stepping stone for future shows to help us break the stereotypes of Indian and disability culture that we have. This show is simply a show about a young gay man who is trying to navigate his way through the world and find his place in it, and he just happens to have a disability. Thank you so much for listening, everyone, and I'll catch you next time. SSI Restoration Act making its way through Congress now. The Supplemental Security Income, SSI, is a federal program that provides vital income assistance to nearly 8 million elderly and disabled Americans with low incomes and limited resources. And earlier today, Priya Ray, the founder and earlier today, Priya Ray, the founder of the organization DIY Abled, joined news team correspondent KP Whaley to speak about the SSI Restoration Act. I appreciate you um, giving us some time today and talking about this important issue. But uh, maybe we could begin, Priya, by just talking about DIY Abled. And, and can you tell us about um, why you got involved with DIY Abled and what your, what your background story is? Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm in a band. Um, am I allowed to say the band's name? I don't, yeah, absolutely. I okay. I'm in this band called Creamy Electric Santa that I started and I started with my partner in the early ni- you know, early 90s. And we were part of this network of touring bands. And this was before the internet and blah, blah, blah. We actually used landlines and called people and say, hey, we're coming to town. And they'd be like, okay, we're going to set up a show. And um, so I was part of this DIY network that really got connected in the 90s. 
And then in 1999, I had, I fell and had a spinal cord injury. And um, after that, I, and I want to say that I was fortunate enough to have the ability I have to continue to do what I love to do, which is being in the band, playing music, touring, and all that stuff. So I transitioned pretty easily into being not disabled, or being disabled from being non-disabled, because I, the fact that I think I was able to do what I was able to do before, and I was able to slip into that pretty easily with assistance and stuff, but still be able to do it. So really what was going on, I noticed, was um, I was in a rehab center, and they were like, the ADA, the American Disability Act, there's a law passed for you, and you have the right to have access to your community however you want. They have to build ramps and curb cuts and all this kind of stuff. So I was under this illusion that, oh, the world is waiting for me, is, you know, will be accessible for me in this wheelchair. And then um, I noticed that in the scene was not accessible, which, you know, gave me the realization of, um, there's this term ableism that uh, disabled people are not disabled. It's a it's a concept. It's you know like racism, sexism mm. called ableism, right. and it's like viewing the world from the perspective of not being disabled instead of you know thinking like oh there's disabled people in our communities. How do we include them? So I. Um, realized that that the scene that I had been a part of for at that point probably 25 years or something did not think of disabled people at all and so I didn't really want to speak out immediately because I also wanted to have been lived have lived as a disabled person for more than a year or two before I started screaming and shouting about my rights because I wanted to explore other parts of my community besides the DIY community. And I found that lots of places were inaccessible, not just this community I was a part of. So that was, I don't know, so that motivated me to start DIY, able to start first talking to the DIY community about how we can make our scene more accessible. And if it can't be accessible, how we inform people about accessibility as a courtesy to people in our community and also how perhaps we could help a disabled person be a part of what we're doing and through community. And um, so while we have the ADA, the American Disability Act, the law, um, we know not everything is accessible and it's our community that we need to depend on to make things work for us. So DIY Abled is very focused on getting the community to think about it and one of the reasons is because even if we have a law, if we can't get the community to think differently about disability, the law is not going to matter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, so communities and laws work together. It's not They're not separate from each other. Yeah. And so that's what, you know, motivated me to start DIY Able and form my own community, the DIY community, like how we can do that. And then I just started branching out, you know, because I think the entire community needs to kind of think in this new way, yeah. new way of thinking. And we really need to start doing it now. I, I like, I, you know, you brought out a very important fact there that, um, 
I think me sitting in my ableism and my privilege, I, I often think of disabled people as, uh, you know, people that are disabled. They're over there being, you know, and they they have sort of lived with their disability for a long time. But really, um, any one of us could be disabled at, at moment's notice, right? Yeah, no, totally, because disability is part of the human experience. We're all going to experience disability in some way, whether it's, you know, I had a, you know, a severe accident with a spinal cord injury, but, you know, as we age, we're going to get things like arthritis and, you know, body pain, things that will happen to you through age. That's just natural. There's nothing you can do about that. And, um, you know, then other things can happen. You can sprain your ankle, stub your toe. You know, that's the disability. You're temporarily disabled. So, yeah, like, um, that is the problem is we, and this isn't, I don't really blame people or get angry because I think this is the way we have been taught about disability since probably the beginning of life, really. And, um, yeah, so I don't really get angry. But, yeah, anyone can be disabled, and I think we kind of have always looked at the disabled community as others, not us, Mm -hmm. when you're not disabled. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that is an important point leading into this discussion around uh, benefits uh, that um, that you're talking about this month. We should note to our listeners that um, this month, July, is Disability Pride Month. Um, so happy yes, happy Pride, Priya. Thank you. Happy Disability <laughs> Pride Month, everyone. Yay! And, um, and, and you wanted to talk specifically about the SSI um, a bill that's, uh, that's going forward in, in Congress right now. Do you want to kind of get, let our listeners know what that's about? Yeah, so I'm going to let people know what SSI is. Um, SSI is, oh, God, I can't remember what it stands for now. But you can Google it and find out what that stands for. <laughs> I think it's Social Security, right? No, no, I'm sorry. It's the Supplemental Security Income uh, Act. So SSI and SSDI are two forms of benefits that disabled people get. And it's basically because you cannot work because you're disabled, you're categorized as a disabled person by the government, the government gives you a certain amount of money every month to, you know, pay for rent and bills, you know, to live. Um, But this this is the problem with just that part of this bill or act is that um, I I think for a single person, the most amount of money you're allowed to have is $794 a month is how much they give you. So currently, one-bedroom apartment costs 1000 I think, 1050 a month on yeah. average. Yeah, if you're lucky. And, right? and um, I might not, you know, that number is might not be correct. I'm going off of what I've read before. But it's somewhere around 1000 above $1,000 a month for a single bedroom on average in the United States. So if you can only get $794, you can't even pay your rent, let alone bills, eat, pay for your medical supplies that you may need as a disabled person. So, yeah, so um, it's not enough money. And uh, that's one of the main things the bill will be addressing. Yeah. Yeah. I think you mentioned before that um, it hasn't been raised ever, has it? 
No, it hasn't. I think the last time I, I actually read about it before I talked to you, the last time they raised it was in 19, they dealt with it. And I don't, you know, I'm not sure, like, it was in 1989, which, you know, I'm like 52 years old, so I actually lived, it was alive in the 80s. <laughs> and anyone that was alive in the 80s knows um, what was happening in the 80s as far as giving people that needed money. Welfare was, like, really starting to, like, get cut down in the 80s because that was, like, the time, the Reagan era was mm-hmm. all about, like, not, welfare was not part of the program. So, yeah. So, yeah, so I don't even know if it was a fair fair amount of money in 1989. I don't really know. But I, I'm assuming it probably wasn't. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think seven, nine, $794 would have been low in 1989 as well. So. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, increasing this amount, um, this monthly amount would certainly you know, be a big benefit for folks. Um, but there's some other parts of this act as well that um, that I found interesting because um, the, there's a savings allow or savings cap really um, that prevents you from even acquiring any kind of savings, right? Yes. Yeah, so that was the other thing I was going to talk about. For a single person, the largest amount of assets and savings you're allowed to have is two thousand dollars a month, and if you have like even a dollar more than two thousand dollars a month, um, and you know they the government can find out about which they can because they can actually look into your bank balance and see how much money you have every month. So you can become they can like decide to take your benefits away for you for doing that. But um, I I actually that happened to me because my father would write, give me money. He would just write me a check and I would kind of be like, uh, you know, I would try to remind him about the $2,000 a month, but because my father was from India, he was like, whatever, who cares about <laughs> what they say? Type of thing. So I never send me money. And then I got a letter like years later um, from the government, like basically saying this month, this month you had more than, and it wasn't a lot over $2,000. It was like maybe $50,000. $50. Um, but they were, they went through every month. I had a little bit over $2,000 and we're like, okay, so we're just going to take this out of the money you get every month. And once it's paid off, you'll go back to the thing. And I made such little. So like, I was just like, all right, whatever, you know, I can't fight this. This is the law they set. So, and Mm -hmm. I did break it. So there was no, I didn't have any rights to fight against that. Yeah. So th- this this act um, that's going through is, or, or trying to get passed, is um, raising that cap from $2,000 to $10,000. Um, Correct. And then $20,000 for couples as well, which I also found very interesting because um, you talk about marriage equality. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I never cons- considered this, but um, because of that, this like financial um, caps that they have in order for you to get benefits, Getting married is something that could really um, impact that, correct? Yeah, no, totally. So basically, if you get married, if you are a disabled person with benefits and you are legally married to another person, if you are married to a non-disabled person, they will work whatever money um, your husband or wife is making and, you know, cut your benefits that way. And if you are 
marry another disabled person, currently what they do is they cut one of the disabled person's benefits. Oh, wow. So basically they make two people live off of one person's benefit, which, you know, so that, you know, so you can't marry the person you love, like for financial reasons, not because of social judgments or anything like that. It's mo- it's financially disabled people cannot get married to the people they love. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a different it's a different form of inequality in marriage for yeah. disabled people. Well, we should tell listeners what the the bill is called is the SSI Restoration Act of uh, 2021 and um, Correct. and you can contact uh, you know your senator to help um, push that forward if if that's important to you, which I'm sure for a lot of you listeners and and friends of yours that's very important. Yeah. Well, it's important uh, to all of us. So, yeah, because you just don't know if you can become disabled, and then these are the the things you'll have to be subjected to if you do. Yeah. So. Well, I, Priya, I really appreciate um, your DIY-abled um, uh, organization as well, because you're kind of also bringing awareness around disability to folks that uh, are not aware. And I'm wondering if... if you know the, the bill, this restoration act would certainly um, move things forward a little bit. But what what else is going on in the community um, that you believe people need to know about in order to be more aware of the lack of accessibility that disabled folks are are um, facing? Well, um, so we in the disabled community we talk about the idea of independence and what independence means and I, I think it's hard for a lot of people that aren't disabled to wrap their mind around what independence means for people with disability. It means um, if you need help to do something to be independent. So it's like this weird concept because I think we think of independence as like going out and doing everything on your own. But like a disabled, there are some disabled people that need caregivers. So they, because they can't get out of bed and dress themselves, eat themselves, brush their own teeth. So caregivers help them do that so they can go work. So they can be, you know, so that gives them the independence, the same independence and equality as a non-disabled person having a caregiver. So it's just, it's a concept that we're like, what? What do you mean? But, some disabled people need that. A disabled person needs a wheel. Like for me, I need a wheelchair. That helps me get around the world just as well as you, if, as long as it's accessible. Right. As long as, long as, as things the, are accessible. As long as there are curb so cuts. What, so what we say is like we're not ashamed of our disability, but if we don't have, we're, I'm not ashamed of my disability. I'm proud. I and pride in disability isn't so much about like, yeah, I'm proud of this identity of disability. It's more like I'm proud to be able to tell you that I need a ramp or I need a caregiver so I can go do what you do, and that we should have pride in being able to talk about what we need to have equality in the world. Do you think there's a lack of, um, of uh, visibility of, of disabled folks, um, like in media, in movies? Um, yeah, because, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're, if you watch all these, you know, streaming online things, when there's, when it's black, History Month or LGBTQ Pride Month, which just passed. They all have the collections. These are the LGBTQ 
uh, movie collections or TV collections. And, you know, so, uh, yeah, there's definitely a lack. It has gotten better. Like, um, there's a show special. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say what it's on, but look it up, Google it, and you can find it. Um, it's actually the show that's been really being celebrated in the disabled community because it's written by a disabled person, the main character is being played by a person that actually has cerebral palsy. And it's a great show because he's a white, gay, disabled young man trying to make his way in the world and figuring out how to navigate that. Mm -hmm. And it's great because it it doesn't just address disability. It addresses addresses gay culture. Um, His best friend's a young Indian woman, so it addresses what that's like. You know, so it's not just about disability, which I think is so great because I, I often think the media tries to put any marginalized person, whether it's race, um, sexual preference or identity or ability, they were like, they'll be like, oh, look, and look, and this is what this person's life looks like. This is what it could look like if you were this, if you were one of these kinds of people, instead of normalizing it and being like, hey, this is a person they happen to be a black person with a disability and are gay, you know. So um, so I just think the media needs to kind of figure out how to address the issues marginalized people have, but do it in a more way that's relatable to actual people in their lives. Yeah. So when they go out, they're like, they, I don't know, they understand it in a, in a way that's not so much like, this is the poster child for disability, this is a poster child for Black Lives Matter, this is a poster child for Pride, right. LGBTQ Pride. And, and coming yeah. from the DIY community, and also, you know, our listeners listening to community radio, um, where we are mm-hmm. very DIY as well, um, yes, we want to change change the media culture, and, and you're doing that with your new podcast. Do you want to tell people about that? Yes, I'm so excited. So I, I so this is what I do. I always think of a name of something, and then I'm, I have to process how I'm going to make it. So that's what I did for DIY. I came up with the name way before I decided how, what I was going to actually do. So I came up with the name of the podcast called This Crip Life, and um, it's going to be a, inform people about disability through the podcast. And I actually decided to do, uh, uh, I don't know, I don't like to call them interviews because it's literally just conversations I'm having with people that are disabled about things about disability. So uh, Vicki Young, who's a friend of mine who lives with rheumatoid arthritis and lupus and an undiagnosed brain condition that she's trying to, figure out because it's hard for her to you know like Facebook and all all these things like she's trying to figure out how to manage this whatever's going on with her brain but she's really smart she just got into law school so if Vicki if you're listening shout out to Vicki for getting into law school as a disabled person and she just knows a lot about the law of disability so we did a deep dive about the ADA the American Disabilities Act so, yeah, please go listen to it. It's on the podcast page of the Asheville FM site. And, um, yeah, so that's what it is. And I did it. I decided to release it this month for Disability Pride Month. 
So I'll have other things uh, I interviewed. I just got approved for a standing wheelchair, which is a miracle that I got Medicare and Medicaid to pay for that because I was told it was going to be rejected by every single person. But I did a lot of things. It didn't come easy. I had to do a lot of things to make that happen. But what I did worked, and I interviewed my physical therapist, Barbara Kroom, who um, is a physical therapist for seating clinic, which is basically a physical therapist that just specializes in um, wheelchairs and, you know, assistive devices. Because, you know, when you use a wheelchair full time, it's part of your body and it needs to be fit so you don't cause other problems with your body from sitting in a wheelchair that isn't supporting your body the way it should. So Awesome. And again, so uh, I interviewed her yeah. and that will be on one of the podcasts and I interviewed this uh, young girl, Cassie Wilson, who started a nonprofit called Half Access, which is a resource to find out venues that, uh, how, you know, venues are accessible. And she goes through all accessibility, like lights, because light shows can affect people with epilepsy. And so, you know, she's thinking of all the different accessibility, not just ramps and, you know, the, the typical thing people think about. And um, so it's, she's really great, and their organization's great. So I, And I'm actually going to be on a panel July 31st um, discussing about being in a DIY band and being disabled and what accessibility looks like for me, looks like for me in that world. So. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad you spent some time with us today to talk about it. Also, I'm glad for the work that you're doing and so proud of um, hosting this Crip Life, a show about the disabled lifestyle on uh, Asheville FM's podcast page. So, um, Priya, Ray, thank you so much for joining us today, and um, happy Disability Pride Month. Thank you, and I want to say thank you for interviewing me. I'm honored to be on your show, KP, and thank you so much as well. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of This Crip Life. If you like what you hear, please consider donating at DIYable.com. And remember, disabled people are people. <laughs>